Welcome to the Macmillan Report. I'm Marilyn Wilkes, your host, and today our guest is Professor Dean Carlin, a professor of economics at Yale and president and founder of Innovations for Poverty Action, or IPA. Professor Carlin's research interests include poverty issues in developing countries, and in particular, financial innovations and microfinance programs aimed at the poor. He uses field experiments to learn what social policies work, what do not, and why. Professor Carlin also does research on fundraising, voting, education, and behavioral economics. Welcome, Professor Carlin. Thank you. Nice to be here. So let's begin um, with talking about Innovations for Poverty Action. What is it, and how did you come to found it? Sure. Um, so Innovations for Poverty Action is a nonprofit organization whose mission is basically to first learn what types of ideas out there in the world are effective in addressing poverty problems and, and social problems more generally. Um, some of that work involves creating new ideas mm -hmm. uh, that are then simultaneously tested in the field to see what is their effectiveness. Some of those are really about taking ideas that are, are out there or they're well established but that we don't have clear evidence on whether they work or not. Mm -hmm. And a big part of the mission for Innovations for Poverty Action is about doing the, the, the hard work beyond the, beyond the initial idea to really establish whether something is a good idea that can work in many contexts and many locations rather than just having a few case studies that say, aha, this worked once here. Mm -hmm. um, and so it really pushes hard to really understand how we can make the research and translate that research um, into scale-up programs that will affect many, many more people, not just the individuals that, that participate in a pilot program. Okay, so what actually um, uh, caused you to found it? Um, was it mm -hmm. something in your research that you were doing? Um, what was the sure. impetus? So the impetus is it's more the other way around actually. It's, it's, I, it's, so the easier way of explaining that is explaining why I'm a researcher in the first place. So uh, 16, 16 years ago I was an intern for a microfinance organization in El Salvador. Mm -hmm. And my work there had nothing to do with research, but what struck me the most was how little we really knew about not just what the impact was of this program, but why this program was working the way it was working. Why was it making group loans? Why was it making loans of the size it was making? Why was it making loans of the interest rates that it was charging? Um, and, and, and so, and, <clears throat> and what was it that we were expecting the clients to actually do with these funds in, in terms of what their what types of training programs do they have access to to teach them how to run microenterprises? And there was a lot of these types of questions were, were not, being, um, not being explored, and there was really no evidence that this organization could look to to help guide it in making decisions about how to run its program. Okay. And so that's the reason I went back to graduate school, was to do um, research on this. And then um, basically in graduate school what I discovered was, you know, academics really hadn't been doing this type of research either, and so this is why I started doing this type of research. But then, you know, if all I did was the research, it wouldn't really satisfy the reason why I was doing the research in the first place, which was getting that information back into the hands of the practitioners, of the policymakers, so they really knew what they could do with that. You know, what, what is the evidence that's out there and how can they use that to make better decisions? And so a large part of IPA's mission is about the, the communication, the dissemination, and the scaling up of successful ideas, the, the stopping of bad ideas. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about the um, primary objectives of IPA. Mm -hmm. 
So the the primary objectives, in some respect, can be put into two two piles. There's there's the the production of knowledge mm -hmm. um, that includes creating ideas and testing them, and then there's the scale up, the communication side of of IPA's mission. Um, we're young, so all of the work so far that is that we can really talk about very concretely is really more about the production of the knowledge. Uh, there's you know we're starting now to have some success stories to be able to do the scale up type work that that we were you know, kind of created in mind to do, but it's not then the, the lion's share of the work that the organization has done so far. We're now building our capacity to, to enter into those types of um, projects. Okay, can you talk a little bit about some of the success stories? Sure. So um, one that, is, that I find very exciting is really one of the most first order questions that you could ask in the world of credit for the poor, which is simply what is the impact? Now, a lot of microcredit is focused very heavily on microentrepreneurial, but there's a, a growing movement uh, within, within financial services to say, well, why, why should we only be lending to microentrepreneurs? Maybe consumer loans can have beneficial outcomes as well. And there's a lot of tension in this policy debate because if you look to the United States, for instance, the same lenders making these same types of loans are often um, given a lot of bad publicity because the interest rates are high and people ask questions about whether these are productive loans helping to generate income or simply um, kind of trapping people into debt traps. So we looked um, in, in South Africa, which has a very different market than a lot of other parts of the world in terms of the credit markets for the poor. And we worked with an organization, it was a for-profit firm that was lending to employed individuals. And these were fairly high interest rate debt. Uh, these were fairly high interest rate loans at 200% APR a year. So if we were going to find bad effects, this is probably a good place to look. Mm -hmm. And in fact, what we found was that the access to credit led individuals to be more likely to keep their jobs. And what, what's key here and what's different about what IPA does and what I do in my own research as a, as a Yale professor is that you know, whereas prior studies would do things like compare people who borrow to not borrow and see their um, changes in their life, here we set up a randomized trial. And this is really, you know, at the, at the heart of, of my academic research mm -hmm. as, as a professor and also the research that others through IPA are involved in. And so we worked with this lender to set up this randomized trial where some were randomly given credit and others were randomly not of people who applied for, for loans. Um, and so it had very positive effects. This is not to say that I think the, 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 you know, the arguments have now been resolved by any means. And in fact, we need to see replication of this type of project so that we can know under what context can we, can we take these results to the bank, no pun intended, mm -hmm. and really believe that even at these high interest rates that you know, um, allowing people to borrow and, and encouraging this type of borrowing can lead um, to beneficial outcomes. Okay, um, moving to another area of your research, behavioral economics. Mm -hmm. You developed a, um, an online program called Stick. Tell us a little bit about it and um, you know, some of its success stories as well. Sure. Um, so I think an easy way to talk about Stick is, um, first, I'll give you kind of an explanation in the big picture of what, what the, okay. the theory is behind Stick, and then tell you about some research we've done. Um, in the Philippines to, as, as that serves as kind of the backbone of the mm -hmm. evidence that we have about it. Okay. Um, so the basic idea is grounded in the concept that there are a lot of things in our, in our life that we say we want to do, but that when it come time, comes time to doing it, we find for some reason we don't do it. 
This can be as simple as overeating, as not exercising, smoking. This can be even on other things, not saving enough. This could be about not cleaning out your closet. This can be about voting. You say you're going to vote, but the election day comes, and something comes up, and you're busy, and you decide not to vote. And so the basic idea is that the, there are vices out there in the world that we actually might prefer for the, our vices to be more expensive. Mm -hmm. So we would like dessert at a fancy restaurant to cost $100 so that I can go to a fancy restaurant, order a healthy meal, and not be tempted by dessert because it's going to cost me $100 and I'm not going to spend $100 on cake. Right? And so there are people that would probably prefer restaurants that have pricing structures of that nature or that when you walk in, you could say the maitre d', which menu would you like? And you'd say, give me the one that has $100 prices for desserts, please, and, and $20 for everything else. Um, and their people might actually prefer that. And so the idea behind Stick is a way of institutionalizing and, and facilitating that type of pricing scheme for people. Mm -hmm. If you want to make your vices more expensive, you can't actually do that in a restaurant. You cannot go to 7-Eleven and ask them to simply make the candies more expensive. Um, you can't go to the gym and just ask them to drop the price or pay you to pay you to work out. But you can set up contracts that basically create that exact incentive scheme for yourself. And so in the Philippines, for instance, we did this with a World Bank where we took um, the, the World Bank offered clients the opportunity to open a savings account. And they put money into that savings account that they were spending on cigarettes. So the idea is they're taking this money that they were going to spend on cigarettes, and instead it goes into a savings account. And then you agree that in six months, after six months of depositing money in the savings account, they take a urine test. If they fail that urine test, well, then they lose that, the, that money. And that money gets sent off to a local orphanage. So it still does good in that mm -hmm. sense. Um, but if they, if they pass, then they get their money back. Now, what's beautiful about this from a policy perspective, it's a win-win. We actually mobilized savings at the same time that we got people to stop smoking. And it was wildly successful. 30 percentage, uh, the increase in likelihood that people stopped smoking was 30 percentage points, which is unparalleled to other smoking cessation interventions. And um, the other project we did in the Philippines was on savings. Mm -hmm. So we did this one five years ago. And in this setting, all we did was something very simple. We just gave people access to a savings account in which they couldn't access their money until they reached a goal. And the idea there was, would people actually prefer to not have access to their funds? Would they prefer the illiquidity? And they didn't get compensated for this. It wasn't like a certificate of deposit where you get a higher interest rate. It was just the same account you have before, but now, if you go to the bank and ask to withdraw your money, they tell you no. Right? So do people want to restrict their future choices? And the answer was yes. 28% of the people that were offered this opened their account, and their savings tripled as a result of doing it. It was also had a nice, powerful effect for, uh, on gender. As a development economist, one of the things we often look at is how, um, how men versus women react differently to different interventions that are out there and what that can tell us about the, the household dynamics. And what we found there was that women who had little decision-making power within the household after they were given access to this account had more power over purchase of durables in the household. Um, so then back to stick, the, the, you know, in a lot of respects, the website is simply a manifestation of this basic um, um, 
this basic idea. Obviously, it's a mm -hmm. little bit more general. And the website, how the, the website works, very simply, you go to the website, you say what your goal is, you say how much money you want to put um, towards that goal, um, you say who has the power to declare you a failure. So you usually here, this has to be someone you trust. Um, you don't have to have a referee. A lot of people do choose to do their contracts on their honor. Um, but the trick with the referee is you really have to trust them not just to report honestly about you if you succeed, but the trick really is finding a referee who's willing to actually report you as a failure. Right? Um, and then you say where the money goes if you fail. And that money can go to the referee. Uh, a lot of people do that. Other people choose charity. Um, and one of the more favorite options is to choose um, the, what we call the anti-charity. So the way the anti-charity works is you're given a list of 10 politically polarizing charities. So the George Bush Library and the Bill Clinton Library. And then we took four kind of hot social issues and we took two charities that work on both sides, mm -hmm. work on either side. And so your, your idea is you're supposed to choose what you hate the most and that's where your money goes if you fail. Uh-huh. And have you used stick yourself? So stick very much is a manifestation of my personal life in mm -hmm. this respect. So actually starting in graduate school, I wrote a contract with a fellow graduate student and um, to lose weight and we lost 40 pounds and we both lost the weight and then we both um, had a maintenance contract that went on for many years and so I am um, very much a user of this concept in my own life as well. Okay and the um, address is at www.stick stick with an extra k dot so com s-t-i-c-k-k dot com. Okay. All right I'll have to check that out myself I have a couple issues I can work on too. Great. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time today. I appreciate um, learning more about your research. Great. Thank you. For more information about Professor Carlin and his impressive body of research, please visit our website at yale.edu backslash Macmillan Report. Be sure to join us again next week for another episode of the Macmillan Report made possible through funding from the Whitney and Betty Macmillan Center for International and Area Studies. Thanks very much. Thank you.